he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. This is the coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- tr- uh, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm here with my guy, GB. What up? What up, Keith? Greg Bing is in the house. We're up here at Centennial High School, recording live. Centennial High School, the home of the Huskies. We got a special guest, probably the top coach in America, in my opinion, Coach Matt Logan of the Centennial Huskies. He's going to give us a lot of insight on what he's got going on. Before we do that, we got some recruit news. GB, take it over. Let's jump right in there. And I, was, I will second you. I will co-sign on Matt Logan. I said the second Bob Lattice retires, the day after Bob, Coach Lattice retired from Davis I said, Matt Logan is now the best coach in the world. Uh, but how about those recruiting How about the Alabama? Crimson Tide got a couple big-time guys. So off with it. We'll go in reverse order. Norco High School offensive lineman Jarrett Bell, a guy you saw at the Alabama Crimson Tide camp. Kind of a, I don't want to call him a sleeper. He had nine offers going into that camp. Yep. But a guy no one was talking about. Only played one year on the offensive line. You watch his tape, it's predominantly defense. Sure. Went there, center, guard, tackle, did the whole deal, got the offer, and went ahead and committed yesterday. What's your thoughts on, on Mr. Bell? Well, you know what? It was interesting because at the camp, he got hurt. He turned an ankle. So at a swollen ankle on day one, he came back, fought through day two, competed really hard, played really well, and I think that won the Alabama coaches over. Had a great performance. Shout out to Jordan. Congratulations on the big offer and the big commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And also Cameron Latou, proud of Utah. We thought the Utah youth made a nice late run. Uh, Utah's been doing a nice job keeping those top guys in state, but Cameron Latou, uh, Alabama, was all, that was always his dream school. He's been there multiple times and absolutely loved it there. USC made a big push too, but Cameron Latou, easily one of the top defensive ends out west, if not nationally. And again, a uh, nice pickup for the Tide. Uh, you know, Alabama, they put a premium on guys with length. And guys setting the edge with good length and good size. Latou fits the mold. Great size, great arm length, physical at the, at the point of attack, setting the edge, and really just a a, a, a a prototype outside linebacker for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I mean, I watched him at the opening finals, and here's a guy who, day one uh, of the whole competition, just okay. Day two, that last that last day of competition, they picked up that final five. He was unblockable. If he had performed the way he did that on that last day, he might have made that final five. He had a really nice finish there. Uh, Arizona State picked up their second player from Mission Viejo High School. Shout out to Bob Johnson. But uh, Jared Patterson, a big-time tackle, a true tackle. You don't see a lot of true tackles out sure, west for whatever sure. reason. They don't have that many of them. But Jared Patterson joins Christian Laval, inside linebacker who committed – uh, to ASU earlier, and ASU's done a nice job of coming back into Southern California. Crazy stat, we talked about it before, signed zero players last year from Southern California. They always wow. recruit Southern California well. They've done pretty well in this weight room right That's here. That's right. At Centennial, we'll yep. talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, but uh, Jared Patterson, nice-looking tackle prospect going to ASU. Absolutely, a guy with good balance, good feet, always with a nice wide base, a strong punch on attack. I really like his athleticism on the second and third level, getting out on screens and such. Good pickup for Arizona State, and also the, the linebacker Lavelle, also very active, uh, sideline to sideline kid with good range and zone coverage, and a nice hard hat inside the box. How about the Oregon Ducks? Are you kidding me? They're on fire. I want to say they won four games last year. Yeah, is that right? They won uh, four, three five? to four, something like that. I, I don't even know. I'm horrible. They suck. Remembering they weren't good. No, they they have the number one 
ranked recruiting class right now in the composite. The wow. number one and in their heyday. You know, when they got my, my Achilles Smith and Michael Fletcher and Marcus Mariota and all those guys had it rolling, they never had a top five class. They're coming, yeah. off, coming off a four and it's August. It is. Let's preface it. But you know what? They got 21 dudes. Yep. And, and these guys can all play. It's a nice looking class so far. Uh, the most recent guys that they picked up uh, was, you know, Southern California boy, Stephen Jones. Yep. Offensive tackle. Yep. Uh, kind of overshadowed a little bit by Justin Dedich, Chaparral High School. But Stephen Jones, 16 years old, won't turn 17 for a couple more months. Uh, huge kid, 6'5", he's 350, and he can move. Just imagine him at 325, which you know he'll get to. Oregon still has that great, you know, strength and conditioning program. Sure. Stephen Jones, 16 years old, when he's 19, 20, at 325 pounds, this guy's got a chance. Hey, shout out to Stephen Jones' parents for not holding back. How about that? But <laughs> 6'5", like you said, 350. I think he's a true tackle prospect. Yep. I think he needs to trim down a little some of that body weight. But super talented, uh, tremendous upside, active feet in and outside the box. He's got it. Comes down hard on his down blocks. Really gets his nose and his shoulders into the armpit of the defensive tackle and buries him into the ground. Really like him as a football player. Ducks also picked up Malcolm Lamar, one of the top defensive ends in the country, a scout 100 kid out of South Florida. Uh, and obviously, we do know that William Tiger's got some great ties coming from that area. So Oregon getting it done in California, Florida, and Texas, three pretty darn good states for producing football players. Shout out to the Oregon Ducks. Washington Huskies, not to be outdone. Those two teams hate each other. Yeah, they do. The Huskies, they hate the Ducks, and Ducks hate them. And it's funny, I can't tweet about either school without a bunch of Husky fans or Ducks fans. They have to comment and everything. It's kind of it's it, almost funny. That's how it should be. It's, it, it is. It's very – but the, the Huskies picked up two players, MJ Ale. I, I love this kid. Kind of a rugby player, new to football, very, very talented. He committed to Washington and also Dominic Hampton, a corner out of Arizona. So Washington, uh, Jimmy Lake, one of the better DB coaches that I, am, that I know, that I'm aware of. Jimmy Lake does a nice job developing guy. Look at the NFL draft. Last year got three dudes drafted in the sure. first two rounds. So uh, Dominic Hampton, MJ Ale, two nice pickups for the Washington Huskies. Hey, man, the Huskies, like the Oregon Ducks, doing well on the recruiting front. You can continue to stack talented players on top of talented players. Leads to a great roster. Leads to a team that's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent. Looking to do great things in a Pac-12 conference. I always got to give some love to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. It's like just be Rainbow something now. I, I don't remember that. Their nickname changed a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Musa. Jeremy Musa. I mean, he's going to do well in Hawaii. Getting shout out to Nick Rolovich, guy I covered back in the day, back in high school. Yep. Nick's a, probably the funniest head coach on Twitter you'll ever see. This is true. If you're on Twitter, make sure you follow Nick Rolovich. But Jeremy Musa, uh, really smooth mechanically. That was a pure, nice, tight ball every now and consistently. He can spin that football consistently. Uh, I think I think it's a very nice pickup for Hawaii. Well, Nick, former quarterback, of course. Absolutely. And uh, so you talk about Jeremy going down to Hawaii, playing for a former quarterback, our offensive head coach. They're going to throw it all over the yard. He's going to throw for 25,000 yards in his career. And you know what? It's a good fit for him. They, they're adding some pieces on the outside. They're going to have good blocking up front, keeping protected. Solidify their run game. It's a, good, it's a good choice for Jeremy. I think he's going to do well yeah. up in Hawaii. No question. Go Rainbow Warriors. Okay. We got another upcoming announcement. Mackenzie Barnes, who is a corner from Edison Fresno, coached by the DB guru himself, Tony Perry. His teammate, Steve Stevens, has already committed to Oregon. Mackenzie Barnes is down to a final three. Arizona, Oregon, Washington State, August 12th, which I believe is this weekend. It is this weekend, Saturday. Okay, okay good. I don't have my calendar in front of me. Mackenzie Barnes, a long, athletic, probably about six feet, maybe pushing six-one corner, 
Uh, really good looking player, visited Arizona last weekend, fell in love with it. Has it been to Oregon? Has it been to Washington State? Wow. So from my my experience, Coach, hey. when a guy's got a final three, Fourth one ha- hasn't visited two of the three, <laughs> usually you feel pretty good about that one school he did visit, uh, which would be the Arizona Wildcats. That would be a great pickup for them, and I, I think he really uh, I think he likes that fit. We'll still take official trips. That's probably another topic we'll have to beat up maybe in a future show. How do you feel about committed kids taking all those trips? But, you know, for now, uh, Mackenzie Barnes looking like he's going to potentially be an Arizona Wildcat. We'll see on on the Saturday. Hey, shout out to the DB guru, Tony Perry, like you said. He's always cranking out DBs about there, so there's no question in my mind this kid's going to go on to Arizona. If he commits there, ends up signing there, and get on the field early. And that is it for commitments. But, Coach Keith, we do have a pretty big decommitment that went down in the last week, going to the 2019 recruiting class. Talking about St. John Bosco, DB corner, Chris Steele. Long-time UCLA commitment, committed right around the time of signing day last year. Uh, took a bunch of unofficial trips, been to Stanford, been to USC, been to Bama. Uh, we kind of saw this coming. Uh, right now, uh, Chris decided to open things up, and, and I respect the reason why he did decide to do that. He said he just didn't feel like it was fair to UCLA to be a committed athlete and still take all these visits. He just kind of felt weird about it. So he thought, it would, you know, out of respect, he decided to kind of open things back up and uh, obviously give me your opinion on Chris as a player and then talk about his recruitment. I, I think right now, you know, Stanford and USC are probably two schools that are positioned pretty well for Chris. Don't really see a kid commit, decommit, and recommit to that same school. Doesn't happen very often. UCLA will still try and make a push, but I would say Stanford, USC, watch out for those two schools. But break down Chris's game for me. In my experience, Greg, the great players are the guy, the big guys that can do little guy things, right? Mm-hmm. Little guys can always move quick. And, and, and be fast and within, you know, points A, B to C. When the big guys can be quick and be fast from points A, B to C, those ones are special. Chris Steele, you're talking about six feet, 185 pounds, pure rip. Okay, he's got to have an ounce of fat on him. And physical football player, versatile, can play anywhere in the secondary, covers the ball well, can run highway to highway with receivers, stay in guys' hip pockets, really competes at 11 feet in the air when the ball arrives, uh, really like his, his discipline as a defensive back and his work ethic. Yeah. The guy's a continuous worker. He's got his DB coach at his high school. He's got his private coach. He's got his dad at home coaching him every single second. So yeah. uh, just just a kid, just a gem rat. Um, and in terms of his recruitment, Chris committed really, really early. And, uh, you know, it's tough when you commit early because all the suitors haven't came out yet. And so once those suitors like Bama and Stanford and SC and Washington, all those guys start coming out, it starts to pique your interest. And, and and shout out to Chris because, like you said, decommitting for the right reasons. It, he didn't feel okay with going to see other schools, going to talk to other coaches while being committed to UCLA. So if you want to go see other schools and he wants to talk to other coaches, hey, back away from your commitment. Say, I need to reevaluate things and go out, see what you need to see, talk to who you need to talk to, and find out what you like and what's best fit for you. No, 100%. And one thing, I we live in a day and age right now where there's just commitments don't mean a whole lot. Uh, offers from colleges don't mean a whole lot. Half these offers aren't even committable anymore. So I, I think, you know, again, I'll never give advice to a kid on what school to go to. But I would just say, man, if you're going to commit early, make sure that's that's your dream school. Don't just commit to a coach. They could leave. Don't just commit because the school is, is number one in the nation. The biggest, most uh, popular school most prestigious school might not be the best school for you. Find sure. the best fit for you. And if you really love it, man, go ahead and jump on it early. But man, don't be that guy who commits and decommits and then commits and decommits again and then does it three or four different times. Either like a flake. 
And so I, man, my whole thing is go through the process, enjoy the visits, do all that kind of stuff. When it becomes stressful and you know what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But don't jump on it early if you're not 100% sure that that's the place you want to go to. Don't just have the attitude, well, I can decommit if I want to. Now, that should be your last resort, not your, you know, not your backup plan. Yeah, this is true. This is true. A fit is so important. Not to belabor the plan, but uh, quick story. Aaron Court, right? Old Orange yeah. Lutheran quarterback. Yeah. I coached against him one of my last years coaching high school football. And he was Marcus Mariota before Marcus Mariota. He chose to go to USC. And I'm thinking, why would this super athletic, super rangy quarterback choose to go to a pro-style system? Chose SC. Things didn't work out. Ended up transferring. The rest was kind of history. I thought he should have been an Oregon Duck from the beginning. He had the perfect skill set for their offense. Probably would have been a Heisman contender at some point. I mean, kid was a super athlete. Loved and him. Threw the ball really well. We lost to them in the semifinals. Mm. And um, Aaron, he was an outstanding football player, but the fit was bad at SC. Even though he loved the SC, the fit was bad. Didn't work out. So, you know, to all you young athletes out there, make sure your fit is good. Make sure you love the place. Find what's best for you. Do not follow somebody else's wave. I totally agree, Coach. And speaking of finding the, the right fit, and we're here at Centennial High School, I love this place. Man, we're it, in the weight room right man. now, and this is, if you watch Centennial play, you this is the weight room that I would expect to see. There's there's benches with holes in it. These dumbbells are 10, 15 years old. Yeah. This is old school prison yard stuff, man. That's why this, this program is so stinking tough, physical, nasty, aggressive. I, I love walking in here and seeing all this. You know, when you think Centennial football, you think spread. You think throwing for a bunch of yards, running for a bunch of yards. When I think about Centennial football, like you said, I think physical, man. They will knock the snot out of you up front. They've got physical backs who run hard and break tackles. Their offensive line, man, they get after you with those big splits. Uh, their defense plays fast. They play hard. Not always the most talented group of individuals on defense, but, man, they play as a unit and play as hard as they can. And, man, this weight room embodies what this team and what this school is all about, man. There's not a platform in here. There's not a box jump in here. They don't have anything in here that's probably worth over about 150 bucks when they purchased it. But let me tell you something. You can tell the sweat drops on the floor. It's still moist. You see the blood specks on the wall. Matter of fact, I think I see a booger. You're looking, sitting on you're a looking real hard right now. I am, I am. Real. But you know what? You hey. do have a Gatorade machine that I might have to visit in a couple minutes. But, dude, this place is beautiful. This is this is what I want to see from Centennial High School, public school, orange school buses. They don't care. That's right. They will go nose to nose and keep the crap out of every single one. They, they play through the whistle. Man, this is beautiful here. So, coming up, we got our interview, featured interview with who I think, and Greg agrees, the top high school coach in the country, Coach Matt Logan. We got a special interview with him. He's going to sit down and come talk to us about the Husky past, present, and future. We're looking forward to having that conversation. We'll be right with you in just a second. Matt Logan, coming up on The Transparent Truth. This is The Transparent Truth Special Report. Report live with maybe the top coach in the country, a man, uh, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for Coach Matt Logan of the Centennial High School Huskies. How you doing, Coach? Doing good. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming on to the show. So just kind of getting started with our interview here. I'm going to pass the mic to Greg. He's got a couple questions for you. Yeah. All kinds of questions for you, Coach. <laughs> I just read yesterday that this is your 21st year, my 21st year doing this too. We're kind of like, we're kind of joining together. We both kind of were kind of you know, Siamese twins in this business. That's right. We were rookies and, and yeah. a little bit of first-year players. Now we're vets. You know, like he said, so much respect for you. And I've said it before, that the day, no disrespect to you, but I said the day Bob Ladderson retired, 
I said, Matt Logan's the best coach in America now. <laughs> so I have no, no second fiddle to Coach Ladd. He was okay. He wasn't <laughs> bad. But let's, let's start off. You know, I, again, first time I watched you, you play, I never seen a team with your wide splits, the up-tempo offense. Uh, if you can, what first got you to coaching? And where that offensive scheme that you developed, where did that come from? What first got me coaching is uh, after playing college football, I wasn't sure what, what route I wanted to do. I, my, I selected a major because I had to at some point in time in, in, in along the college process and selected business. So I thought I would go into sales like, like my father did. Did that for a year or two and realized how much I missed the game and how much I, I loved working with my, my buddies, little brothers and training them and, and those kind of aspects. And just, you know, I've been on a team since I think I was four or five years old and I missed that the whole aspect of that. So went back to school to get my uh, teacher credential. Um, Started coaching. Uh, my first year was at Modern Day High School, and then I coached uh, two years at Esperanza High School, and then I was here for uh, two years as an assistant, and then took over the head coach in '97. Let's back up a little bit. Where'd you play your college ball at? I played at Fullerton College first. Nice, for, uh, Hal Sherbeck. Okay, awesome, awesome. Man. I'm a Titan as well. So again, man, we're like we're like right there with each <laughs> other. Twins, man, it's incredible man. how much we have in common. Big time. So Fullerton College, then went up to Chico State, and I played under Mike Pilati. Oh. So you've been around some guys. Yeah. What was Coach Pilati like? Uh, very intelligent man. Very okay. intelligent man. That's all you got to say. Just intelligent. I was uh, waiting for a story. Give me a, give me a Coach Pilati story. There's got to be a couple. You know, uh, did you I, see him as being a guy who would go on and coach and win a bunch, bunch of games in the Pac-12? I did because actually Nick Alioli was there as an assistant coach prior to it, so okay. he had just gone to Oregon the year I got there. So we kind of could tell that a couple guys from the staff were, were moving up, and even our trainers, the head trainer, our assistant trainer, Chico, is the head trainer at Oregon now. So I so funny because I was up there on a, I think I was speaking at the clinic or something, and we passed each other. I'm like, Chief, Chief of State. It was so funny. So we both recognized each other. It was kind of funny, yeah. So your one year at Modern Day, were you, were you, so was Coach Ronson the, the head coach? Were you he was, yeah, and I coached freshman football, yeah. Do you right. remember some of the some of the dudes that you coached? That yeah, somewhere? actually, yeah. Kim, Kim, Kim Worthy was a linebacker for me. Uh, Braga was a DB. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of the offensive guys. Uh, Michael Graham was a tailback okay. at the time. I think he was playing yes. varsity as a freshman. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now, what about you? Went over to Esperanza. Now, I'm North County guys. So I remember back in the day, uh, it was Esperanza Losal. That was that was a rivalry. Was that when you were coaching at that time, or was that a little bit before or after you were coaching there? That's definitely when I was coaching there. Travis so, yeah. Kirschke, that whole era. Right was, after him. Right after, okay. Right, yeah, I was with uh, Darren Flipman. Yeah. Uh, Anton Hector. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those are some of the guys from Esperanza. We we lost a little side those years and pretty good thumpings they yeah. gave us. So they, they were good. Team. They were pretty good back then. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why I, I run the offense I run. from uh, I Back in the day, I had a pretty good arm, so I'd play the scout quarterback. I was a little south quarterback at, for the defense, and I was coaching on the defense side of the ball. So, uh, and, and I was holding up these cards. It was a spread offense, and I'm like, man, if somebody could figure out how to run the ball with this with this type of spread offense, I think it'd be something special. And that's how, we, that's how this developed. Read my mind. I was about to ask you about that, that very same question. So your offense is getting, is so unique. So is that kind of something you developed, you know, watching not just, you know, a couple of different coaches and, and kind of come up with your own, your own little scheme as well? Yeah, the whole the whole premise was take the spread offense and be able to turn that into a physical run attack. Okay. And that, that was the whole premise from it, you know. And, and uh, so that's how we started basically in 1997 and then went full go from 1999 on. So from 1999 on, we've been – no tight ends, no, no two backs, uh, complete no huddle, and, and, and trying to have a run first mentality, have that physical component to the spread offense. What about the wide splits? Where did you get that concept from? Um, so that kind of happened. Uh, I'd like to think it was some great philosophical, great theory, and some uh, great idea, but basically we just we didn't have any linemen. So to create space, you know, we couldn't push them off the ball as the uh, inside zone scheme was taught, you know, double team, get, get vertical push. 
Um, we just did it by line, but we just spaced out a little bit and gave our running backs try to get a little bit of room to run. And so that that has now morphed into the philosophy yeah. that we have now. As we got bigger and better, we just kind of maintained that that philosophy and then go with it. You look at this wall; it's awesome. I almost forgot some of the dudes that you guys have had in the past. And if you can, and again, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I kind of do a little bit. Um, give me a, just a quick thought on you know, let's look at these quarterbacks. So the first guy I remember. Um, Matt Scott, Michael Eubank. Which one? I think Eubank came. Matt Scott was. First. Matt Scott was. Was he like the, one of the first guys that kind of really got things rolling in terms of? You guys competed for a state title his year, right? Was it just his, was right? It his 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 junior year. Okay. Or actually senior year. Yeah, in two thousand seven. How good was Matt? What do you what do you remember about coaching him? Uh, he was incredible. You know, he had never played quarterback before, and he was a backup receiver as a freshman, and then from sophomore year on, played quarterback. And just the best thing about him is he's such a competitor. Yeah. He was such a tough kid. We were playing. Uh, Crespi and they had a uh, oh gosh the, the foyer one of the foyer brothers and and, and we're running our, our our zone read concept and, and Matt hands the ball off and foyer is just clocking and clocking next thing you know those guys are just rolling around after every play throwing punches and I'm like hey man I know you want to be competitive and tough or anything but you know you're the quarterback man at least throw punches with your left hand not the right one yeah so there you go it's just he was so tough and so competitive and, and it was it was a great great fit for him. What about Eubank? He, he was pretty special as, as a player here for you. He was, and it was really great to see his development from his freshman year all the way to his senior year. And, you know, sometimes kids come in, you know, as a little, little baby draft as freshmen, and that's kind of how he was. And his his development for four years was completely amazing. He was an incredible hard worker and a great kid. And you mentioned the toughness. And, again, when I think of Centennial football, again, not just wide splits and running, but you guys always had that little bit of an edge. You know, play through the whistle. Uh, <laughs> defensively, you got to take that extra shot, extra hit. Not, I'm not saying dirty, but you guys always kind of had that little bit of an edge. Uh, where did that develop? Is that something that you teach, you know, from freshman all the way up? Just kind of hey, play angry, play with a little bit of an edge. to make it uncomfortable to play against you guys. Yeah, you, you guys have always had that. You want to play hard, you want to play intense, and that's how we practice. So that just spills right over the games. You know, our, our practices are, are, you know, we want them to be tougher than games, and, and we want them to go out on Friday nights and say, hey, this is easier than what we're, what we're doing out every week or every day during the week, you'll get in for preparation. So that's that's where that comes from. You know, Matt, one thing that I prided myself on when I was a ball coach was developing each player and, and their special abilities, right? Each player has a special skill set right. that he brings or she brings to a team and developing that skill set that can help contribute to a team's success is very, very important. And one, I came to watch you guys practice last year. And one thing that really awed me is you were right in the middle of wide receiver drills, teaching guys, where to catch the ball, what to do after they catch it. Normally, that's a, that's a normal receiver or athlete instinct, what to do with the ball once he catches it. But you were teaching specific points on where to turn, where to fake, then where to turn. Talk a little bit about um, how you see the development of your players. How do you oversee that? Well, it's huge. I think that, uh, you know, as a head coach, first of all, you know, that that's our main job is to develop players. It's one of our, you know, main three things. It's not to win games, although that's what we're measured on, it seems like, most of the time. But it's to develop players. And, uh, and so, you know, that as a staff, we cross coach and, and, and we, if we see something, we're not going to, there's no ego problem where somebody cannot coach a guy up for a certain thing or, or this and that. So, you, you know, we'll often, you know, especially me being a head coach, we'll coach other positions, kind of depends on what's going on for the day, um, you know, and those type of things, especially, for example, with the special teams drills going on and my receiver coach is committed to coaching that, then I've got the receivers and the quarterbacks or what have you, you know, or it might be the same thing with running backs. So, you know, there's sort of a technique level. We want, to, we want to make sure we're very thorough with our kids. We want to make sure that they understand what's expected of them and, and give them the tools to be successful. So, Coach, the show of this, I don't know if you know, our title of the show is called Transparent Truth. What that means is it's just truth no matter what. Maybe might be uncomfortable for somebody. 
but we always speak on it. Yeah. I gotta ask you, I'm put, again, on the spot, you've had some great running backs. The Bass Brothers, you've had Miles, you had JJ. You've Minor. Had, it, Minor, you've had a ton, right? Yeah. Give me the, who's the best running back you've ever had? <sighs> That's tough, that is tough. Um, Transparent truth. Coach. You can give me a couple. Throw out a couple. I, I got I to go at least a couple. Yeah. Um, well, first one that popped my mind is Terrell Jackson. Yep. Um, just a uh, practice like it took every rep like it was a game. It was incredible just to watch him practice. Um, J.J. Taylor was just completely amazing. Completely amazing. I mean, if he's three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier, he's going anywhere he wants in the country. You know, and uh, he'll have great success in college, even though it was a you know, diminutive size. Uh you know, Mike Bass was an incredible player for us. He was one of the first ones I had as a coach. It was that first group that went through me for, you know, the first four years as a freshman to seniors. Um, uh, gosh. Uh, yeah, those guys. Trey, Watson, Trey Watson was an incredible yeah. player. I mean, you know, he's doing great things at Cal, and he was an incredible player and had a great smile, and I loved to play the game and loved to have fun, and, and uh, I just, there's a whole line of them. I was at that game against St. Bonnie, but I think Trey – Broke a record, if I recall. It was the honor ball. He must have carried the ball so many times and just kept <laughs> running through St. Bonnie. But, you know, all your running backs, it's funny. They're always they're always about 5'9", at the most, maybe 5'10". But they're all just so tough, physical. Have you ever had a guy above six feet run the ball for you? You know, the very first year I was here, we had a, a six foot, 250 pound running back, <laughs> a Ronnie Fakima. What was yeah. that like? Did he, yeah, have... he was just a bulldozer. Yeah? He was unreal, unreal. Yeah, he was just, he was a man. So he was good. good. Yeah, that was my biggest one by far. I'm going to ask you the same thing because you have had some great receivers too. I remember Ricky Marvay was so tough and physical. Yeah. You had Javon broke all the records, McKinley. Uh, give me one receiver that you wanted to go, you know, third and 10. You need to get a first down. Who's your go to receiver? You know, pro- probably Javon, I'm, I'm going I'm to say right now. And, and, and there's been Ricky Marvay you mentioned, um, Chase Crevichet. We had kids going back a little bit farther, Momondo Mariscal, Deshaun Miller, which is Bonte yep. Burford's little brother. Wow. I mean, there's there's a lineage of receivers, too. We're lucky. So you mentioned Vontez, which is someone we definitely want to talk a lot about. Yeah. Again, I, I was at the game against Modern Day when, you know, we talked about this earlier, man. One of the most vicious hits. I don't, I'm not going to say if it was clean or whatnot, but he went after a little, little, little bit low on Matt. But what was it like to coach Vontez? And, and if you can, Go from the first time you met him. Did he always kind of have that the physical edge to him, or did you, again was that something that you instilled or just brought out of him? You know, the first time I met him, uh, he was a, a chubby little, happy little, go lucky kid on our sidelines because his brother played for us. So he was he was you know throwing the ball around the sidelines with with other little kids or, or, or coaches or other players that might not have been in any drill. From you know, I'm, I'm going to guess from the time he was probably 10 years old, 12 years old in that range. And then when he got here, you know, as a freshman, he was a full-grown man, and I played quarterback and middle linebacker for the freshman team. And uh, and if, if push came to shove, if Matt Scott would have got injured, Bontez would have went at quarterback. That's that's how uh, athletic ability his athletic ability he has, and how smart he was. He knew the whole offense. He'd, he'd be in practice, we'd be doing things, and he'd be calling out our tendencies and stuff like that. Watch out for this. Watch out for this. They're going to do this. We're on the hash for this. And it's really funny. But as far as coaching him, it's absolutely incredible. The guy takes. Everything he has into every rep and everything. There's there's only one speed with him, and it's full speed. It's full. That's just the way he plays, and 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 uh, it's it's fun to watch. Um, you know, there are times when he crosses over that edge, but I get it because I understand the way he is. That's just the way he's, he's competitive. If you're playing checkers, he wants to beat you, and if he doesn't beat you, he's probably not going to control the motion of, of not handling of handling that loss. So taking that king and. Smashing it somewhere. That's right. In, in practice, <laughs> did you ever have to kind of maybe pull him back or then go kill your running back or your, your you know, uh, tackle? It, that's how we practiced. wasn't a big deal, but we were coaching an all-star game one time. 
We had the running backs, uh, Dak, come up to me and said, hey, it's just practice, we're back. I'm like, hey, that kid only has one speed. There's no slowing down, man. It's like, it's like, it's like he's like a Ferrari stuck in, in, in the highest gear or whatever. It's just the way he goes. I mean, fair to say, was he the best defensive player you ever coached? Uh, yeah, probably him and Will Sutton. Yeah. yeah. And they're just both so have tremendous instincts. And I think that's what just truly makes, you know, besides being gifted and everything else, yeah. you know, but uh, just the tremendous instinct they have and, and, and the way they can read, read plays and read how to use their body, those type of things that are almost, almost uncoachable type stuff, mm. you know? You played in some, so many big games, you know, from, I, again, I, I, a pleasure to be at somebody in the Narbonne game that, you know, Troy Williams, that was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Dana Sal multiple times. Uh, if you can, if you talk about some of the most memorable games, was there one game that sticks out as, man, this is the best game I've ever been a part of? Was, was there, maybe even could have been a win or a loss, a, a game that you, you were a part of? Yeah, you know, to me right now, it's probably more recent history would be the 2014 Seattle Championship game at Seattle against Bosco. Because I think uh, nobody gave us a chance to be there and nobody gave us a chance to win. And, and we were probably not the best team on the field, you know, but we won that game. And it was that one to me, just because of our kids' mentality going into that game and, and how it wasn't a big deal. And I remember at one time, you know, we were on the on the side of the, of the third baseline. So the crowds behind you, so you're looking up at the Jumbotron and I look up and it's a timeout and I see all their guys kind of stand there with their hands on their hips and they look awesome, you know, chiseled everything else. I see our guys with their guts hanging out underneath their jersey and stuff like that. I'm going, it's just, isn't fair. It's not fair. You know, it was awesome to go out there and, and, and win that game. And, and, and that was probably, that was probably one of the most, definitely one of the most rewarding wins I feel I've ever had as a coach. Let's talk a little bit about individual players. So maybe the best player or best performer that, that was against one of your teams. Can you remember back to any one player? There's, there's one a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm a butcher the name, uh, but Iku, uh, the, the, the corner that went up to Oregon from Chino Hills. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, Ifo Ekpre. Yeah. Oh, the man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he would play middle linebacker and tailback for them. And it was, I think it was a quarterfinal game in 2010. It was at their place. He was all over the place. And I, I actually, I got to meet him from one of our players, Cameron Hunt played at Oregon. So after I went to see him play at the UCLA game, and afterwards I said, hey, can you just feel like that? I got to tell him. And I, I shook his hand and said, man, I'm telling you right now, live to live for a player, the best player I've ever seen on the field, and he was incredible that night. Wow, that's interesting. Another question. You talked a little bit about the 2014 Bosco game. Riding up here, I was talking to a friend of mine about the 2015 Centennial Bosco game. I'm a scout. I'm going to scout the game for the Under Armour game. I'm getting there about 10 minutes late because I left my credential in the car. I walk in, game starts at 7, I walk in at 7.15, it's already 28 to nothing Centennial. <laughs> what an amazing performance by you and your team. Talk a little bit about the preparation that week and just kind of the vibe you guys were feeling. Come on, put such a smackdown on St. John Bosco Braves. You know, uh, that was coming off that 2014 game that I mentioned, so yep. the guys were pretty confident going in and it was, it was a fairly you know younger group I had in that 2014 game with mixed with some good seniors and so they, they knew what to expect they knew what was coming and they, they came out ready to go and Bosco you know had a few turnovers and we went down score so we jumped on him uh, right in the beginning you know obviously we had to hang off to the very end to, to get it done but because uh, they are a great team and they're great players so but uh, that was a great win. Now, do you remember again something that we were joking around earlier with you, you always had that you know up tempo fast paced offense do you remember the first time you guys played modern day I remember talking on the sideline I think it was, it was a modern day home game then a guy doing the chains who's about 98 years old 
you remember this? Absolutely. That, was that the funniest thing you've ever seen? Or yeah. not, again, not <laughs> joke about. That's hilarious. <laughs> that, yeah. but if, what was your thoughts going into that game when you saw those guys thinking, man, these guys are going to do anything to try to win this game? Exactly. Yeah, that's what you think. It's like, oh my gosh, can you, you know, I think they found the oldest alumni they could they could put down there. So okay, I think he even had a, a disability in terms of walking and, and struggled walking. And not only was the age of the <laughs> disability there too. So, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny. It's it's amazing what. Uh, what you what happens in games are the funny stories. You get to the line of scrimmage, and like a half hour later, you see this guy kind of just walking up. To the, to get the, that was all time. What about you? Know, we talk about Data South. We have to talk about some of those Data South games. You play them. I want to say two times, or was it three oh, times? I played like five, I think. That many? Yeah. Wow. We're we're almost the Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings of the high school football. Right? I mean, you got you got. We did one one. I mean, we did one. Was that the one year? So if it can't talk, it's have so much respect for those guys. And I was a Southern yeah. California guy. I was like, oh, they don't play anybody down here. And then I saw them come down here and beat Modern Day and Paul. I was like, okay, Davis Al, I'll never pick against them ever, no matter right. who they're playing. Right. But you guys did get them. But if you can't, what was it like playing against Coach Lattiser, just the day the South, the way they get off the line of scrimmage, offensive line, the way defensively, how they make it so tough to do what you – that's the only team – I feel, you, guys, you guys could score points against New England Patriots. De La Salle is always the one team I've ever seen being able to slow you down a little bit. What's it like preparing for them and just some of the memories against those yeah, guys? Yeah, well, first of all, I think walking off that field that first time in 2007, I just felt like, gosh, you know, we, we need to uh, – expect and get more out of our kids because i think one of the best things to do is they maximize their kids and, and they get the most out of, of what their abilities are and yeah. uh you know and, and and playing in the second year in a row <clears throat> was a complete you know, great experience for us because i think it was the shell shock was done at that point and and we were you know ready to go and it wasn't you know the big it was the first time ever in a big stadium and all that kind of stuff that you know i kind of went down on the first game but what i was most proud of was being down four scores to a team like that in the third quarter and get within seven at the end of the game and have a chance an mm-hmm. opportunity to, to try to win it was incredible. So that's what made me most proud of my team. And and, uh, and so that's that way I knew that at that point I knew what kind of level we were at and what we could, what we could achieve to um, playing against them is, you know, the, the ultimate program and team in high school football. So it's, it's an honor. And it, you come out of that game as a, as a better coach and player, just because of having the, you know, you're playing against guys that's technically sounded, they don't make mistakes, you know, and, and if we make a mistake, they score a touchdown. I think one of the things they do, you know, such a good job with that offense, they grind the clock a little bit yeah. so you get less opportunities on offense. They never turn it over. They'll turn it over against everybody else, but when we play each other, no turnovers. <laughs> so, no turnovers. So. so, hey, moving forward to this upcoming season, 2017 Centennial Huskies, of course you got a five-star quarterback who everybody's got rated pretty much kind of top on the West Coast. Um, had a couple guys transfer out. Talk about this year's team the expectations, and some top performers you expect to really show out for you this season. Okay. Well, yeah, our expectation is the same as it is every year, and that's that's play for state championship. So that, that's our that's our goal, which involves winning league, winning CIF, and then you know, getting out to play, you know, the Dale Sal again, the Dale Sal again. Um, the Dale Sal Bowl is what we call it. But either way, so that's our goal, is to get back to that. Um, as far as um, our team, we love our guys. They work hard. They're all in. The guys that we have here compete and want to compete. And, uh, you know, as far as offensively, um, as far as players that are, you know, are, are going to be top players, you already mentioned Tanaki. we got uh, two or three tailbacks right now that are competing, and we like all three of them. Um, uh, two of them are returners from last year, and one's a transfer kid that came in. Uh, so Tyler Pinslow and Octavio Cortez will be just juniors, and then actually all three are going to be juniors. And then Deuce Reynolds, a brand-new kid from San Diego area, um, he's competing as well. So one of them, we might, or two of them, we might put the other spots because of that athletic, but We'll let, kind of let go through camp and see how that plays out. We're not opposed to having two or three guys. We've done that before. Um, at receiver, um, we have uh, uh, a couple kids coming back from our team. Uh, Arturo Herrera, who actually played back a quarterback for us last year out of necessity, has been going back to his natural spot at receiver. 
Um, we got Gary Bryant, who's just a sophomore, who's got loads of talent, um, and he'll have a great, tremendous season and career here. Uh, and then we have um, Chase Presley, who's a kid that's grown up in our program. I, I swear, I think he was five foot two when he, when he was a freshman. And now he's five nine, and, and you know, he's got a little strong, strong little build on him, so he's ready to go. It's his opportunity, you know. And so those guys we expect on offense. Um, we also have a transfer in from Riverside King named Chris Venable. I think it'll help us out at receiver as well, maybe some DB. Um, and then offensive line-wise, we feel like it's probably the best group that we've ever had. Wow. The best six or seven guys that we can roll out. Now, we've had some you know, linemen that might have been better here or there at certain spots, but as a group, very veteran, uh, very hardworking, very tough, very physical group. So that's what we're most excited about is, is that group right there. And Solo Vibe, who is the leader of that, coming back. Um, Kevin Brown, who's 370 pounds, is... is is you know ready to go for his senior year. He's ready to go coming back with a ton of experience. Malik Wrencher, who actually uh, played a lot his sophomore year due to injuries and played against Dale South, played against Bosco in those games as we mentioned already. Uh, he broke his leg last year, didn't play at all. So now he comes back into the mix. Billy Latour is returning starter for us at the other tackle. Um, Adrian Valenzuela rotates in. Ryan Suilaf, who's competing for time. So we've got a really good six or seven deep guys that we're super excited about for that. I, I got a couple more. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, I know Keith probably has a couple more too, but you gotta get to practice. But and I didn't even get to the defensive side. You know what? Go <laughs> get the defense. Get, get them, give those guys some love, real quick. All right, defensively, uh, we got Cameron Pitcher coming back. Yes. Our, our defense leader, uh, middle linebacker, along with him, we had a sophomore start last year. Trey Lumago being inside linebackers, and as a group, probably are one of our best groups of linebackers we've had. And that's and that's high, high, held in high regards because of the group we had with Fontes and Shelly Lines and Brandon Hughes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Group. So this group, and they've got some younger guys and a good mix of young and old. So there'll be a lot of guys playing in that in that uh, linebacker core. Secondary is going to be young, probably going to tar- start two sophomores. Um, the defensive line-wise is led by a junior and a sophomore returning defensive end from last year, Drake Jackson, and, and a couple other kids, Tori Mitchell, who was an offensive lineman and moved over the D-line, and, and we got a transfer named Malik Scurlock that'll be a, a junior. So we got some good talent coming back with, with some of the guys I mentioned. And then we got a great kicker coming back. There you go. Valencia. You don't kick, so, Coach. I was going to ask you, again, to read my mind, I was gonna, I've was i seen you go for it on fourth down inside your own 20, like in a state game. <laughs> and I love that. And, and again, if you can speak on that philosophy on, on you don't like to punt, even if I mean if it's fourth and five, fourth and two, you're, you're going for it. Well, punts a four-letter word first of all, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know they give you four downs for a reason. So I want to get as much as I can out of it. You know, if it's if it's an attainable down, then I definitely want to go for it. And if I think it's something I can get, or if it's something I think I need to do to win the game, then I'm going to do it. And sometimes you know those situations happen early in the game, and and that's the time when you know you want to put your foot on the gas and get going. So. No fear. I love that. I, I gotta ask, Coach. You're, you're you're basically you are high school football. Do you still love it? And second part was, how much longer do you see yourself coaching at Centennial <laughs> High School? I'm hoping for a long time because when you leave, I have to leave, right? We're, we're kind of connected here. But how, yeah. how how much longer do you see yourself doing this? Uh, well, I love it first of all. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Uh, you know, the, the pay is good, but it's not great. So let's face it. So you know, you don't you don't do this for the pay. You do it because you love the game and you love working with kids. So until that goes away, I plan on doing it. As far as being here, I plan on being here as long as they have me. So it's an awesome opportunity, great year. I've been great. I, I think I've gone through my fourth principal now, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. It's my fourth principal now, and, and all the admin and, 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 and I've been through two ADs, super supportive of, of kids in general, and which leads over to the football team and then the academic side of it, which is incredible support we have here at school. And the last one for me, and I'm sure he's got one, one last one too, but they deal with Nike yesterday. I'm, I'm wearing my Nike stuff. Matt James is a good friend of mine for 20 years. Get back. If you can, can I talk about the Nike deal? Give those guys a little bit of love. And what does that mean for your program? Uh, just a great opportunity for us. I mean, for what, what the kids get. Uh, 
you know, from it is incredible and, and all the things that they would normally have to purchase, you know, it probably saves them several hundred dollars, you know, cleats alone. I, I, I haven't bought cleats in a long time, but I imagine they're probably over a hundred dollars at this point and stuff. So the, the stuff that the kids get is phenomenal. And obviously it's the, it's the best brand out there, best, best equipment. So we're, feel great to be part of that partnership and they're part of that. And knowing that, you know, there's only a few schools, you know, in the country that have this deal, that have this type of sponsorship, it's just, it's tremendous for us. Well, Coach, it's been an honor for you, uh, for us having you on the show. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us. Um, I know I can speak for myself and Greg when I say that, you know, we're big fans of yours, have been for a long time. Um, I'm endorsing you right now. I mean, I know you like it here at Centennial, but I'm endorsing you for the first big college job opening next year. (laughs) Any of you college administrators, you listening out there, Matt Logan would be one heck of a college coach if he ever decided to leave Centennial. Have you ever got a college offer before? Ever had an opportunity to make that jump before? You know, I've I've talked with a few people, usually mostly on a small scale. I just, you know, with... As you probably know, my story with my wife passing yeah. away 10 years ago and having to raise my kids, that kind of changed plans a little bit. I thought at one time I wanted to go to college and maybe that possibility will still come, but, you know, I, I love doing what I'm doing. Keep but, him here, Coach Keith. Uh, yeah, keep him here. Sounds like we're going to have to keep him here. But anyway, best of luck for 2017. Really appreciate you coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the one of the all-time greats in California State history, Coach Matt Logan, Centennial High School Huskies. Thank you a lot. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. This is the Transparent Truth Special Report. Dun, 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 dun. We got a five-star that just checked into the building. Six foot six, 220 pound, five-star recruit, big on his faith, Tanner McKee. Quarterback, Centennial Husky High School. How you doing, Tanner? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing all right, man. So we want to get started with our interview. And, uh, of course, Tanner McKee offers from everywhere in the country, um, but one of the biggest things that we want to talk about is your decision at the Nike opening, Tanner, right? You didn't, you chose not to play on Sunday because of your faith. Explain to us a little bit about what that means for you. And, and then talk about how Monday transpired for you at the opening there. Well, I mean, uh, ever since I was a little kid, I always decided that I wasn't going to uh, compete on Sunday. So when I was little, it was missing out all-star games or missing out just little things. But, uh, at the opening, uh, it was kind of a bigger thing. So at first you think you're gonna think about it, but then uh, I felt like it was the right thing to do to sit out. Um, but Monday, I, I thought I played pretty good. Our team really stepped up and we ended up making it to the semifinals and the opening was a lot of fun. It was a great experience to be with all those great athletes and great coaches. So I really loved the experience. And let's back up to the Elite 11 finals because that was when you, you first made the decision to not compete on a Sunday. Now, I, I don't wanna misinform, but did I actually hear that you talked to Steve Young? former great BYU quarterback. Did you talk to him like before you made that, made that decision? Did Coach Dilfer get you on the phone? And, and uh, if you did, what was that conversation like? I mean, it was super cool. Uh, Coach Dilfer wanted me to call him and uh, just talk about how to balance football and faith at the same time. So he had some great insights, and we had a great conversation talking about how he dealt with it and uh, what kind of guy he is. He's a great person. I think he's a good friend. So for those who don't know, Elite 11 Finals, you basically missed the, the, the one day. I think that was the day they went – is that was the seven on seven, seven day. On seven day. That was like the day to make sure who was going to make the final to get to get to the opening. You chose to sit that one out. Even your talking to your dad, he's like, "Hey, this is all him." Like, yeah. I'm like, your dad was like, "Like, like you, sh- you should be out there and play." Yeah. Uh, you mentioned when you were when you were young. Were you ever? Was there ever a time that you were kind of tempted? Like, okay, just this one time. I just I got this big game, baseball, volleyball, whatever sport. You're you ever tempted? Just just give me this one time, and I'll, I'll go back to honoring that. 
every other time. Any like anything pop like that? Uh, I don't know. I always feel like there's going to be a bigger game. There's always going to be a bigger stage. So I feel like if I sit up this one and I'm gonna have to sit up the next one, then I'm not keeping my promise because then I keep rolling. So I just say I'm gonna stick to it and I'm gonna be super strict on it. That is amazing. And, and it, then people are gonna ask, you know, potentially if you make the NFL, you know, that'd be the ultimate goal. Uh, how would you be able to balance? And I, I've heard you explained before, but for those listening, how would you be able to do the NFL thing, which falls on a Sunday as well? Uh, well, if you make it to the NFL, it's your job, it's your career, that's what that's, you do what you have to do. Uh, I still love to make the church the times that I can, no matter what time the game is. Maybe I can go before, maybe after. But yeah, by then, then it's your job and your career. So there you go. It's a job. You can get it done on Sundays. You know, my guy here, I got to give you give him props, Tanner. He has been hyping me for a long time, and I don't know if you even knew this about him. Tanner, you're 16 years old? 17. You just turned 17 pretty yes. recently. Yes. My guy right here is big, big fan on, we, we had this discussion a couple weeks ago about, about holdbacks. And most, it's like every quarterback's at least a year, if not two years older. You're actually young for your grade. Uh, was there ever any time when you're growing up that you were considering being held back and repeating eighth grade or repeating sixth grade or whatever it was? I mean, not really. Uh, I mean, I've always had good size and I've been pretty big, so it wasn't too much of a disadvantage for me. Uh, I am planning on serving a two-year mission, so I will be kind of caught up or old, as you can say, uh, <laughs> you can say as a, when I'm playing college, so that's kind of my... So last year, your first year starting on the varsity at Centennial, and, and you guys played IMG, yep. that, that, which is one of the best games I've ever seen. If you can, just some of those monsters up front, and just how explosive their, their defensive secondary was, and their offense as well. What's it like being a part of that game and playing against some of those athletes? I mean, well, it's awesome. Uh, first of all, the Honor Bowl is a great experience. How they uh, greet the military and the uh, ceremonies before, that was super awesome. But yeah, IMG's got some huge dudes. They're big and fast. And so it's fun to play against athletes like that and to know that we've worked super hard to get there and to compete against guys like that. Oh, you have, Tanner. I, you I did too. Fourth down. I really did too. All of a sudden. Yeah, they, go, they go deep on fourth down. And let's fast forward all the way to the season, uh, St. John Bosco. And again, one of the best games I've seen. When you guys play Bosco, it's always a great game. But uh, what stands out about that game? What do you remember most? Good and the bad. Um, I was going to start off bad. I remember throwing that pick. Uh, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. That was, was kind of crucial. <laughs> good that was pretty bad. crucial. You know, uh, if Miles ran the right, made the right cut before that, like Matt actually said that yeah. to us earlier. Matt Miles cuts inside. He scores it. Right by two scores. Yeah. Um, well, the good, just making uh, good reads, good passes, hitting the long ball when you have to, yeah. making extending plays with my feet. Uh, I feel I feel like we had a pretty good game against Bosco and IMG both ways. I mean, they're both very good teams, and I think we competed pretty well. You guys get hosed on that last fourth down call, Tanner. Come on, transparent <laughs> truth, transparent Tanner. truth. That, Tanner, you gotta give it. I, I know you're. I know you're very. I want to be able to like make excuses. No excuses. Just give us the truth. In my eyes, I thought we had it, but. I guess the ref didn't see it. How long did it take you to get over that game? Are you are you one of those guys that just takes? I was gonna say, do you just walk off the field and you're good, or do you like hold on to those losses for I a mean, long time? I had to watch that game for like 10, 10 times over and over. Uh, in the weight room, actually, we had pictures of Bosco and IMG celebrating, getting all excited, and then it said us and then them, and it had the scores below us losing by one or us losing by two. So that's just kind of our motivation in the weight room that we have. How good can this year's team be? You feel you feel confident? You don't want to look ahead to, to anybody, but you got IMG again, obviously best case scenario, you're going to be playing probably Bosco and Modern Day. Uh, if you guys make it that far, how can this team get that far? you feel pretty confident? I think we absolutely can. I mean, we've had a great work ethic over uh, spring and summer, and I think we can uh, continue that into the fall, and I hope that pays off. 
Yeah, I, can't, I can't let you go without asking a couple of recruiting questions. Okay. It's kind of what I do. Uh, recently, made a trip to Stanford. Huh? Is that just a trip, or did you camp with them too? Uh, it was like an hour camp. Okay, too. so you threw the ball a little bit for yes. those guys. Got the offer from the Cardinal. Yeah, tell me, you know, privately, that's okay to say it now, but that was the offer you, you kind of wanted. That was yeah, a big deal for absolutely. you. What was that trip like for you, and, and how do you feel about Stanford, obviously, right now with that offer? How highly are they on your list? And don't, don't, don't let us play anything from that yeah. I Give it to me straight. Uh, well, I've always loved Stanford. It's been one of my, always my top schools, so to get that offer, like, really meant a lot to me. But uh, when we first got there, the first thing they did was go up to Coach Shaw's office and he said, we want to offer you. So, it was kind of like took all the pressure off me for the camp and throughout the day as we we're running through place. But yeah, it's just a great experience being up there. So before I didn't know that, I didn't know that. I thought you maybe had to earn the offer, which you earned it on the field yeah, over the last absolutely. few years. Um, so you have trips lined up with your other four schools. Um, again, if you can, kind of refresh me. Who are those four schools? And uh, if they have those dates in your head, what are those, what are those dates? Uh, I don't know the dates exactly. Right. I know I'm taking officials to Texas, BYU. Washington, Alabama, and now Stanford. Okay, was Alabama during, I thought you said that was the LSU game. Yes, right? that, that was the LSU game. Okay, you're taking all five for sure? Yes. That's, that's the plan, even if you fall in love with one school and visit three, yeah. you still want to take all five if you can? Yes, absolutely. BYU gets that last one. Yes. Now BYU, obviously, that's the church school. Mm -hmm. um, you probably want to marry a Mormon wife. They have yeah. a few nice looking ladies at BYU. I've been there a few times. <laughs> um, if you can't, BYU, where are they at amongst those five? And, and how important is it to, you know, the, the whole church factor? I mean, uh, BYU's obviously always uh, been a top school for me. Uh, I mean, you always want to go to a school where you fit in. I feel like BYU's, uh, I felt that when I was there. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to find the right place for me. What is, what is the biggest things that you're looking for, most important factors for you in, in picking a school? Because you're, you're unique. You're going to be leaving for two years. You're going to be coming back. It's going to be, you know, different depth charts. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming the head coach is going to be there, but we don't know that for sure. So. What are you looking forward to school? What do these, what do these, you know, these five have that you want, and what is the one ultimate factor that's going to push that up school over the top? Um, I don't know if I have one right now. Uh, obviously, academics and network is huge. Uh, you always want to be set up for life afterwards. Uh, just the locker room and how well you relate with the coaches—that's really big. You're going to be there for four years, uh, and then like those are the guys you hang out with. There's only five days out of the year that you're going to be at a home field and you're going to be playing with the guys and the stadium's going to be full so you really have to make a bond with the coaches and the players you have there and uh so yeah you know tanner when i first saw you play as a, as a freshman then again as a sophomore as a backup as a backup for centennial you remind me of a young big young ben roethlisberger <laughs> quick release bigger kid sneaky athleticism Talk a little bit about your multi-sport kind of background and how your athleticism kind of developed over the years. Uh, well, I've always uh, I've always loved to compete, uh, no matter what we do. If it's going to play volleyball with family or whatever, I'm like almost too competitive. I get really crazy and get really uh, really into it. So uh, whenever I have free time, I just love to play whatever sports that are available. Uh, when I was little, I played football, basketball, baseball. Then in high school, I started playing football, basketball, volleyball. So just whenever, whenever I have time, I'll look to sports you can be. That's awesome. Moving forward to this 2017 season, you've got a young wide receiver, Gary Bryant, that I've heard you've already made a really good connection with. He's a guy that you're going to be looking to. Can you talk a little bit about him and the relationship you guys have built on the football field? Well, I mean, he's a stud. He's always that guy that's going to come out and work. Uh, we have a Saturday off or if we have the week off and we want to go throw four out of the seven days that we have off, I can already 
we already know that Gary's going to be out there and he's gonna, always going to put in the extra work. So he's just a super hard worker. He's a smart kid. And he's obviously very talented. Tanner, practice started 10 minutes ago. And you're a leader. So if we don't, we don't let you go right now, Coach Logan might not let us back on campus here. So we got to let you go. I appreciate right. you going. Have a great season. I know we're both rooting for you big time. Again, class kid all the way. I'm excited to see not just next season, but you know, the next 10, 15 years where you're going to be at. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And thanks for, again, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Tanner McKee, what a class kid, what a great football player, great. You know, I just tell you the story off camera. You know, I was watching the Centennial game. I think it was his sophomore year, and Anthony Catalano was the starting quarterback. Yep. Walks over to me during the middle of the game. Their defense is on the field, and he goes, hey, this guy right over here, he's going to be the next Josh Rosen, but even better. He's the best quarterback we've ever had here. You really don't hear that many quarterbacks talk that highly. You know, it's very competitive. Everyone's like, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. Sure. So for Catalano to do that in the middle of a game shows not just how gifted Tanner was, but what a good kid he is, what a great teammate he is. Sure. He's an easy guy to root for. There's no question. I mean, we're watching his freshman football tape, and you just saw an overgrown kid throwing the ball. And then his sophomore year, he sat behind Catalano, but he would come in when they were up out in front of everybody by 20, 30 points. I mean, Tanner, he's just a guy with tremendous accuracy down the field, great ball placement, his quick release. And when he pulls the ball in that zone read, he, he can't just run for first downs. He can run for touchdowns. Oh, he goes to the house. Yeah, there's no question about it. So I like the sneaky athleticism comment. I, I like because a good basketball player, a volleyball player, Ben Roethlisberger. If you go back and watch maybe Drew Bledsoe in college, kind of similar size, Drew would take off and run. Guy had that underrated athleticism, but on, on a long, lean, athletic body, obviously Drew could spin the football extremely yeah. well yeah, too. No so I, I love the fact that Taylor can really run and throw. Two years ago, I said the kid was a five-yard star prospect. I said he would be a top 10 draft choice. Please hold me to that. That's the comment I made when he was a sophomore, wasn't even a starter. I said he'd be a five star. He's made it, he's made it that far. I said he'd be a top 10 overall draft boy in the NFL. Hold me to that, hold me accountable. I know what I see, I believe in my eyes, and he's just a big time kid, come from a big time family. I, I hope it happens, and one, one thing I wanted to ask Tanner, and I'm kicking myself right now for not asking, was the one thing that I've, I've always been a little bit leery of, it, it was with the quarterbacks going the LDS missions. It doesn't affect most positions, but quarterbacks in the past, sure. again, Steve Young, no mission, the Detmers, Ty and Coy, Coy went to Colorado, they didn't do missions. Um, the guys that have done a mission, they come back, they're not as sharp, it's such a technical position. Sure. So there's no doubt in my mind, Tanner has number one overall quarterback ability. He could be, I mean, he's a number one overall pick in the draft. If he can come back and, and not miss a beat, I have, I have no doubt you're top 10. I, I, I can totally see that. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for us. Uh, we wanna thank Coach Matt Logan, inviting us into his Husky Dome, sharing his weight room space with us and allow us to interview him and his top players. We look forward to you joining us next week as we continue our preseason special editions of The Transparent Truth. But without further ado, we got our social media drops. You can follow me on Twitter, Coach Keith underscore MP. Stands for National Preps. I'm at Greg Biggins because I, got, I like to keep things simple. You can follow us on Twitter, TransTruth92 on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, Instagram excuse me, TransTruth714. Time to bring this thing to a close. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name is Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs>